0: You're going to remember this every day for the rest of your life. If you want to get to a goal, if you want to get to your dream, you got to focus on all the little steps. You have to put in your time, you have to be patient, and you have to enjoy the process. Whatever you're doing now, whatever you want to be great at, whatever you want to be special at, I'm sure you you may be already be good at it, but to be extraordinary, you have to do extra. I firmly believe that we are all here for a very specific reason, to do something Truly extraordinary, but what are you going to do to get there? This was an interesting podcast with Today's Business because while I was speaking with Tom and Chaz, uh, a friend of Today's Business uh, walked in, former New York Giant Super Bowl champion and all-pro athlete, uh, offensive tackle, Dave Deal, walked in and he just started speaking with us about all things sports, life, and uh, his upbringing, and it turned into a really, really uh, special add-on. So. Check this out, Dave Deal, former New York Giant.
1: So, being that's, I think that's, you know, going back to, you know, talking about my relationship with basketball, is, you know, I didn't play football until high school. But being a basketball player, number one, it made me a better athlete all around because. I was always the biggest kid. I mean, from yeah. second grade on, I was bringing birth certificates to my <laughs> basketball tournaments. This kid's not in second grade. Yeah, yeah. So from that point on, I was always the biggest kid. But I was able to be able to learn how to move and be athletic to play basketball and beat people to points. Really? Where it's the same thing playing offensive tackle. And when I did my professional career, really? you're beating somebody to the point. But as an offensive tackle, you can punch you can physically move them from the spot where you feel, it's yeah. basketball. you
0: feel like you're cheating almost.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's a problem with now. I love the fact that, you know, my daughter's nine. Like my dad and my mother always said to me, if you start something, you're gonna finish it. Right. You may not like it, but you're yeah. committed to it, you're gonna finish yeah. the season and then after you're done, you can decide from there whether you wanna keep doing it or not. Yeah. I love the fact that she does dance, she does gymnastics, she does cheerleading, because me being able to play tennis growing up playing basketball yeah. it made me so much more of a well-rounded athlete mm-hmm. and also you think there's not a correlation for me playing 166 games in the nfl and being injury free oh, that's crazy it's because you think of kids these days all they're doing their entire lives is throwing a baseball or yeah. playing with the video yeah. game all they do is one thing and it's unfortunate that they're forced now to play, you have to decide now, you have to play basketball or baseball or football. I hate that, I and hate that. the worst thing for a kid is because you're training their muscle memory at that early age to only do one thing.
0: there were high schools. so where I'm from in Southeast Masters, there are three big high schools, Durfee High School, Brockton High School, and New Bedford High School. And New Bedford was good at everything. The reason they were good at everything is because the best athlete school played everything. Yeah. Brockton High School, it's uh, Rocky Marciano High School, they played everything, Durfee, they would tell the kids, you have to just play basketball. We had some of the best athletes I've ever laid eyes on in my life playing basketball, but that kid would've been a great receiver. That's okay, he would've been a great receiver as well. We had kids that, baseball players, they were superstar baseball players. You don't think that kid would've been a great quarterback? Would've been an amazing quarterback, it drives me crazy. But I think with your daughter, there's just the structure of everything she's doing. She's naturally getting so much discipline that people don't even understand mm-hmm. that. No, I mean, it's and crazy. It's,
1: and you know, the thing that I love about it is, you know, you're like myself. We've talked and spent yeah, time together yeah. in the gym and on the phone together. Tom, Chaz, we're all the same. And I love because of my work habits, the way that I approach my day and what have gotten you know, me to be successful in life. My daughter picks up. Daddy, are we early? Are, I want to be the, one of the first people there. Like, <laughs> awesome. I mean, that, that stuff excites That's awesome. me. Yeah. My daughter went in a swimming tournament this summer. That's She cool. won it. She came off. She's like, Daddy, my hard work's paying off. And she was so wow. happy. Like, those are the things that, as a parent, you, know, you truly, genuinely appreciate. Because it's at that point you see they, they get it. They mm-hmm. understand that things aren't going to come easy. But when you work and you apply yourself... You know that's when you get the victory that's Mm. when you get the enjoyment and you know the other thing my daughter hasn't won and I like the fact that she's humble that's something these days Mm. that kids don't appreciate or don't understand is that losing as a kid to me was something that made me successful in life because Mm -hmm. you learn how to deal and cope with those things but also just like in anything in life you need to learn how to get back up and go to work and get things done yeah
0: you don't want that feeling again?
1: Man, no. no. No,
0: not at all. Like the James Harrison, everyone was cursing him up and down because he made his kid yeah. give the trophy back. I thought it was brilliant. Yeah, I, I really I, did.
1: I, I agreed with him as well. Yeah. And I, you know, playing sports, you know, even in the business world, I don't feel like people take enough ownership on and accountability on who they are. As a football player, as an athlete my whole life, you base your pride on accountability when things are on the line and it's tough and it's 3rd and 1 and that running back looks at me in the huddle, I can look him dead score eye, knowing that I'm fully prepared, I'm disciplined, I know our playbook, I'm conditioned, and I'm ready to get the job done for you. And I don't think people really look at things that way.
0: No, they don't. And they don't, like, with athletes, we just talked, uh, Dave, about being good at one thing makes you better at another. Like, running a business is like running a team. It's the exact same thing. And, like, I have to be able to look at you in the eye and say, you asked me to do something, I'm going to do it. And I'm going to make sure it gets done today i don't return emails in three weeks like yeah. i get it done immediately exactly. because i understand that i have uh <laughs> investors and i have people that are co-owners and they expect certain things from me i can't say wait i got to do it and the reason that i do it and the reason they rely on me and trust me is because i get those things done and we learn those in football the accountability that running back looks at you he's like you don't have to say anything it's just unspoken words you know he's yeah. going to get it done and vice versa and then
1: to go along with that like you said it's, it's about the Precious present. It's about now. It's about not wasting any time. It's not putting anything off tomorrow. It's making sure that you're detail oriented and you do things on a daily basis that way all the time. That's right.
0: That's right. At what point? At what point did you? What point did you realize that you weren't going to play basketball? You were going to go to the football realm.
1: Football. I did that in after my freshman year. I played. I was the biggest. I was the biggest guy out there, but. And like I said, I was humbled. You learned early that you can be the biggest, but if you don't know the fundamentals, if you don't get leverage, that you're not going to be good. Mm. And I'll never forget. Basketball tryouts came out. Guys are like, You going to be there? I said, Absolutely not. They're <laughs> like, What do you mean? I'm like, I'm not playing basketball anymore. They're like, You play basketball your whole life. You all city everything, and you're not going to play in high school. I said, No, I want to play football. They're like, Yeah, right. Tryouts came. I wasn't there. Coach came to my house after. Well, I want you at trial. So I said, I would want to play football. What what do you mean you want to play football? You just started that. You've been playing basketball. You're good. I'm like, I know, but I I want to learn how to be a better football player. And I want to challenge myself. And that's what I want to do. He looked me dead square in the eye. And he said to me, you will never make it in football. You're no good. Uh, <laughs> and I said, and that's why I won't ever play for you. And that's why these are the reasons I why I won't make sure I prove people like you wrong. Mm-hmm.
0: That's awful. No coach should ever say that to a person. I mean, yeah, I don't understand a, a coach that could ever say that. If you're a coach and you say that, you really don't understand what coaching is, in my opinion. You yeah, really I mean, don't. That's what, said, really. that's what they said to me in, at Syracuse. Well, we have a Your lot coach comment, came in common, all of us. Yeah. <laughs> the new coach came in. He said I was beho- playing, you know, 40 snaps a game. Mm-hmm. half the game as a retro freshman and then as, as I come in new coach comes in he said to be holding the bags he said you would be cleaning the toilets you'll be doing yeah. this because he's trying he's trying to get his guys yeah, his guys yeah of course of course that's terrible but that's the fuel that the, that yeah yeah I mean it, but but fun. thank god it happens because without those moments you you realize that yeah. you probably would not be where you are because you need that fire burning where, people wrong. and Dave where, where did you go to school
1: I grew up on the south side of Chicago I went to a Brother Rice High School uh, after there, went to the University of Illinois and uh, graduated. I was there, redshirted, five years, five-time academic, all Big Ten. I got my uh, degree in three and a half in uh, speech communications. Nice. I got my master's in uh, education, specializing in human resources. Nice. I got drafted by the New York Giants in the fifth round. and That's okay. That's okay. No. And I walked <laughs> away making sure that I only used $1,100 out of my parents' pocket.
0: That's amazing. Really, that's amazing. And, that, but that's the thing a huge is, testament is to your hard sure work.
1: I, I worked. I dedicated myself, and I realized the opportunity that I had in front of me. You know, I, like I said Dad, to you, I just spoke two weeks ago. Uh, Super Bowl, since it was the 50th anniversary, winning two of them, they sent us these unbelievable gold footballs. Cool. So for the first time, I was able to go back and speak at my high school, Brother Ice in Chicago. Oh, nice. And I was telling them that I... In high school, learned at an early age that I had to live life differently. I had to do things that other people weren't willing to do and sacrifice to make my way to get the glory. I said, everybody wants the glory. Everybody wants recognition, the money, to play professional sports, to feel that appreciation. I said, but the only way you're getting the glory is if you put in the grit and you put in the grind. And I said, I learned that early, that nothing in life is guaranteed to you and you need to earn everything. And I had a blessed opportunity to go to the University of Illinois on full scholarship to a school that even with my good grades, it's one of the top ones in the country that I probably wouldn't have gotten into. But I was at, missed three classes in my entire five years because I knew I was a visual learner. I can read something in a book five times, but if I write it down, if I hear somebody say it to me and I can understand it, I could write a sentence and, and tell you the entire half an hour of that speech. That's just the way I've learned. So that's how I knew I had to approach things. Not to mention with these kids, I said, hey, how many how many athletes are standing up? I had the entire school in the gym. All the athletes stand up, and they get up smiling with a little swag. I said, you know what? I would've stood up just like you. I would've stood up smiling. I said, but I'm not having you guys stand up for the glory. I said, I'm actually having you guys stand up to call you out. I said, I want you guys to look around the room and see how many of you guys are standing up. I said, there's 1.2 million high school football seniors in the country. There's 500,000 basketball. I said, how many of you guys think that you can go on to college? I said, because only 6% go for football and only 5% go for basketball. I said, how many of you guys want to play professional sports? I said, if you don't, sit down. All right, they look around, they say, Some of the guys sit down, and there's still probably a good 20 or 30 kids. I said, 1.2 in the entire country make it to the NFL. I said, for basketball, it's actually 1.1. I said, it's your odds, looking around in this building, is somebody that you may have thought was different or strange or too smart or a geek. I said, the odds of them being your boss and paying your salary and for you to provide for your family and your kids one day is better than making it to professional sports. That's a fact. I said, so you better learn right now and get your shit together. Because if you don't, I said, you're going to look back at this time and you're going to think of these words that I told you and you're going to realize that I was telling you guys the dead truth. And you were
0: i mean that's in, it's incredible i mean i know those statistics well because i remember sitting in the crowd getting those speeches and thinking oh my god i'm, I'm gonna be the guy yeah. Now realizing what i was up against because if you told me today what i was up against i'm not so sure i would have put my hand up stood up and said no problem i got this because let's face it those are serious serious odds and it's, you're up against the uh eight ball there but dave tell me about you go to the university of illinois you you had a, a terrific career there Do you see yourself, you're a senior, you finish up, do you see yourself going on to the NFL, and how did you go about it? Are you like, because some of us, like, listen, I'm from a small school, 1AA school, I'm a smaller guy, I got very little respect, and I knew I was up against it. What was it like for you coming out?
1: It uh, It was a challenge. I mean, you know, I didn't really officially start until my junior and my senior seasons. Uh, so it is, it's tough that you have to establish yourself. And especially for me, just like, I was no silver spoon. I was a fifth round draft pick. So even before that, I knew that I had to do things to separate myself from the rest of the group and the rest of the crowd. And the things that I did is number one at the combine, I had the opportunity to go play there or, and show who I was and showcase myself. The whole time I was there, I thought, no matter what you do, no matter where you are, think that somebody's always watching and critiquing you. I separated myself from the group. I did my warm-up, and the main thing I want to do is show how athletic I was and how different I was from everybody else. I was flexible, I was in shape. I can beat guys to points, I can get leverage. And actually, one of the funniest things about it was, is I used to actually, in college, I used to make myself shorter. Because as a guard and playing inside, I didn't want him to think I was too tall to get leverage. So I was at 6'5". I never changed. It. That was my freshman year. From that on, I
0: wish I had that problem. Yeah,
1: I was. I I get measured at the combine, and I'm almost six six and a half. But I go to walk away. They're like, whoa, whoa, whoa. So they go back up there, and I stand there, six six and a half. And they're like, I'm like, yeah, I, I, you know, I'm pretty <laughs> a little bit taller than I was. And the guy who's doing the measurements, his name's Teddy Monaco. He's actually a Bear Scout. And he goes out loud, he goes, deals from the south side of Chicago like any politician. He's good with numbers. And everybody starts laughing. And everybody right away asked me, how come he didn't say six, six and a half? I said, I don't want you guys to think I was too tall that I couldn't get leverage inside. I started interesting. a conversation. And that That's way, the little things like that to separate yourself.
0: We were opposite ends of the spectrum. For my, I wasn't invited to the combine. I had pro days. And for my pro days, I was putting heel lifts in my socks. And then I was trying to lift my head up, and they were and everyone to this day says you're at least six two, and I said it's interesting because when they measured me I was six feet and three quarters, and I said come on man give me that six one he said six feet and three quarters, I was so depressed I really was so depressed <laughs> I know but it,
1: it makes a yeah, big it, difference oh, hell yeah.
0: Yeah, I'll tell you the some other off the air where I'll tell you the uh, weight story, how I weighed in so heavy, but that's for another time. <laughs> um, so you go on to – you're drafted by the Giants in the fifth round. Yeah. Okay, yeah. and
1: you start you, – you go to camp with the Giants. Mm-hmm. And tell us about your
0: experience when you go to camp with the Giants.
1: Uh, camp with Giants was – I mean, it was – Who was the head coach? Is Coughlin at the time? No, at the time it was actually Jim Fossil. Okay. So I'm a, a fifth-round draft pick, but one of the things – that I was blessed to be able to do, and why I chose to go to the University of Illinois was because for my five years at Illinois, Ron Turner was my head coach. He's been a uh, professional offensive coordinator. He was a Bears offensive coordinator. So for my five years in college, I learned a pro-style offense. I knew terminology, I knew how to break things down. So when I got drafted by the Giants and we had our first rookie minicamp, I was the only player in the entire room that knew everything on the board. I got drilled on it. I went up there and I did everything. And Jim Jim Fossil, right. it's like, what do we draft Isaac Newton in the right. fifth round? Sit down, deal. Right. And everybody's looking at me like,
0: wishing they were you, by the way, because it looks wishing like Spanish or another yeah, language to right. me.
1: I knew everything starting from there, so that that way I could work on my technique and I can learn personnel and do that stuff to advance instead of having to worry about my playbook. I was able to start from my second preseason game on at right guard, and I started the entire season, my rookie year.
0: That's incredible, by the way, because I remember going up to the board and the Coach Belichick, and he'll, he'll ask you to know every single thing up there, and you better know every single yeah. thing up there. And if you don't, you, your time's limited. You've identified yourself as a person who doesn't understand what's going on, and you've just shown everyone. Yeah. And that's a big deal. And the fact that you did that in front of everyone and did it repeatedly – Probably solidified your spot and it was yours to lose.
1: Yeah, and, and the thing for me, you know, like I said about accountability in life. I mean, you know, I just went from playing in, in college and watching the professional I mean, you're a fan of the NFL of course. long before you're a player. Yeah. And sure enough, I'll never forget that first week. I'm starting at guard, Garden. I'm looking at the huddle, and I'm looking at the left and right. I'm like, okay, Monty Toomer. I watched it on the south side of Chicago, playing at Michigan. I'm like, Jeremy Shockey just blew up last year and was Rookie of the Year. Kerry Collins is the biggest gunslinger, and he is a monster. Yeah. Kerry Collins is like 6'5", 265. And I'm like, this guy looks like he's a tight end slinging the ball. Yeah. I've got Tiki Barber as the running back. I'm like, okay, uh, this is real. Like, this is not a game anymore and this is what professional sports are and i may be 22 years old right now but i said there's there's no excuse to not know what to do
0: right 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 and and i don't care who you are where you come from when you get in that nfl huddle and they start snapping balls and they start kicking balls off there's it's very it's a surreal feeling and you're starstruck i don't care if it's for five minutes a couple of games but you're starstruck at the beginning Right?
1: Oh, no doubt.
0: How long did it take you to get over that? First snap? Yeah, oh, I mean, first snap <laughs> has to. <Yeah. laughs> if yeah, you don't, yeah, you yeah. have Michael Strahan yeah. running down yeah. your throat, and that's the last thing yeah. you need. That's so, the other thing. Think about practicing yeah.
1: for six of my 11 years against Michael Strahan, Osu Minura Justin Tuck, right. uh, Matthias Kiwanuka, JPP. I mean, we would have battles out there, but yeah. it was awesome because, number one, The minute you got off the field, you were in the cafeteria eating lunch and actually helping one another become better football players. I saw this, or you did this. But out on the field, we used to have wars. I'm sure. I mean, two-minute drills on Thursdays. Thursdays were like days, you remember. Thursdays in the NFL are like, these are ramped up days. You got two-minute drill, one-on-one pass pro. And I mean, it's like, let's go. Because that's the day that Mm. really gets you ready for Sundays. And we would be, I mean, punching each other in the face. Guys would be, you know, fighting, getting after it. But those are the things and those are the ways that you challenge yourself in practice so that you can transfer that to the game. I I remember we'd be doing things that we saw in practice against those guys. And we'd be having defensive ends, running twists and stunts. We're like, this is like slow motion compared to the guys we're practicing against in practice that know exactly what we're doing offensively too. Yeah.
0: I had a psychopath for a defensive line coach in college who's now the defensive line coach in Baltimore, Joe Cullen. Oh, and, yeah. He and, was with Tampa Bay right, last year. Right, oh, yeah. Right, right. So, yeah. I know and Coach he, Cullen. Oh, my God. I had him the whole time. And the way he made us go and practice in a game, it was like I felt like I was playing against the Little Sisters of the Poor. Like we were just beating them to the ground. But as you said, Thursday was that tempo day that you get used to a tempo and moving in a way that you really don't move anywhere else obviously in life but even in practice and it's so fast and so fast and I know that I can only imagine that Strahan and Tuck then JPP those guys made you so much better and vice versa but tell me quickly who was the let's get away from the Giants practice but who is the best player you played against during the season or in your career
1: uh I mean playing and tell us why I mean playing left tackle I mean you're playing up against the best of the best and you know, to be able to be fortunate and blessed, to play in a Pro Bowl, to be an All-Pro, to be a Super Bowl. Yeah, you have to be able to have no conscience. You have to be like a corner. Like, you're out there one-on-one. There's going to be times that you get beat, but you have to be able to bounce back, learn from it, and make sure that you move forward. And I think that's the biggest thing as a left tackle that I was able to do is, number one, my competitive advantage was I knew that I could walk away from every game without a regret, knowing that I prepared as much, put as much time in the film. I was in condition. I was never huffing and puffing at the end of the game because those are the D linemen that you single out and you're in the huddle saying, hey, Eli, run it right at this guy. Mm -hmm. But for me, being a left tackle, I mean, the wars that I had with DeMarcus Ware playing twice against the Cowboys, I mean, you're talking about a complete athletic freak. And uh, and one of the best compliments after I retired is, I'm glad deal's out, he said. He goes, he's always one of the toughest guys I've ever played. He goes, because for four quarters, I know he'll fight me. And he goes, he gets under your skin. Somebody said, what do you mean he gets under your skin? And I said, what I would do, especially with the good guys... At the end of the whistle, I'd give him a little nudge, a little extra shove. It wasn't cheap. It wasn't bad, but I'd give him a little extra nudge. Number one, I wanted to let him know it's like, here, the play's over, and I'm continuing with you every single play. I'm with you. I'm with you. I'm with you. Let him know that you're there for the game. You're there to fight. Number two, if I can get you out of your game and start making you worry about getting into a fight with me and not worrying about what you're supposed to do on the field, I got you. I got you. And it happens in games. You get guys that get, they get so personally involved in it and they don't think of it as part of the grand scheme of the game that they're swinging away and we're gashing them for runs and running zone schemes. And their linebackers are running out and screaming at them because they're not maintaining gap discipline. I mean, those are things that I would just and, – and the best thing about all that is you wouldn't even have to say anything. You would just laugh. And they would, they would just drive them crazy. That's awesome. (laughs) I tell you what, I know that nudge well, and I hate it. I used to hate it. I
0: was like, man, I'm gonna punch this guy in the face because he won't—he won't take his hand off me. It's just—it's just annoying. Yeah, you know, because it makes you look bad on film as well. Like this guy's taking it to you. Like, oh, that guy finished you off, and you're not even in a play. It's annoying as hell. He's absolutely right. So, what? Can I ask you real quick? These are speed questions. It'll take like less than a minute. Okay. Okay. So, Dave. Dave, these are the, this, this is the speed round of questions. Just quickly, okay? Favorite food? Steak. Favorite ritual? Uh, One that you can mention on air? Acupuncture. Favorite pastime? Football. Of course. Favorite sports team? Say it. New York football. Giants. <laughs> Absolutely. Your favorite athlete of all time? Walter Payton. Sweetness. Awesome. Favorite movie of all time? titans no uh that's a great those are great movies hoosiers Hoosiers. we come come back to to it road to to perdition road to perdition is a good one tom hanks good mine's sure same redemption i love road to perdition favorite book uh or last book you read
1: let's uh maybe it isn't the last one but definitely has to be art of war
0: art of war great favorite tv show I'd have to say seinfeld oh man I'm, we're right on favorite type of music
1: classic rock
0: nice mentor my dad nice favorite quote of all time
1: and you know i love my
0: quotes man. <laughs> it's hard to pick one i know it is hard to pick one life
1: isn't about finding yourself it's about creating yourself
0: Thank you very much, David. Thank you for being on the Magnum Method Podcast. It was an honor. Really, I appreciate it, My, my
1: pleasure. Thank Thanks for having me on, Mark. Absolutely.